Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. It is good to see you all. Happy Friday. And if you're in the U.S., especially, this is the Friday of a three-day weekend, and we are excited to have some extra time off. It's always such a great time to have a three-day weekend. Um, today, we are drinking out of a special cup that was gifted to me. Let's see if I can turn the bright light away. Oh, that also messed up my camera. Uh, so that you can see, this is from my friend, Terry Strauss, Healing Spirits Here and There. Terry Strauss, the medium that um, was the first to be able to channel Brian to us after his passing. And of course, we absolutely love the uh, reflectors among us, and she is one of them. So uh, thank you, Terry, for the beautiful cup. So it's time to grab your cup of coffee <laughs> or your tea, sit back, and let's chat about what is happening in the stars above us for the weekend. And it is a kind of quiet weekend. I love this, right? Because we've had so much sort of chaos going on. Now, it doesn't mean there's nothing going on because they're always something. Uh, but it does mean that maybe we have an opportunity, especially with the sun uh, or with Venus moving uh, direct at the gate of privacy or storytelling or quietude. Uh, maybe we'll have some time to reflect on all of the things that have been happening over the course of the last few months, preparing us, as it were, to move forward. Uh, into the fall season, but also in preparation, as we talked about on Wednesday during the broadcast with Tam of the Energy Almanac, uh, preparing for eclipse season, which occurs in October. So coming up on us, I can't even believe that I'm talking about September. And it is already September 1st. Uh, thank you all for showing up this morning. Good morning, Joan Durchie. Happy September to you as well. TJ, good to have you with us. And uh, Amy D, good to see you. Debbie Tibbetts Toomey, oh, happy Friday to you as well. Hit that like button, Debbie says, and I have to concur. Please hit the like button, or if you are so inclined, share it with your friends, your family, your networks, your social media, so others can learn about astrology and how to live it in their daily lives. Thank you, Debbie, for the reminder. And uh, Teddy, yes, baby shower Sunday. So my weekend is already crammed full, right? Tomorrow, tonight, my grandson's first football game of the season. And see, this is why I love fall, right? Football and get togethers and uh, reasons to celebrate, right? Different holidays and so forth that are upon us. It's a great season leading into the winter season. So I love the end of summer as we are now, the all of the fall season, the beginning of winter at least. And then, yeah, okay, we'll talk about the rest as we get there. <laughs> that all depends on how bad the winter is, I think. Um, anyway, so today we have the football game. Tomorrow is preparation for my son Wesley's and his wife's baby uh, shower. That'll be on Sunday. The baby's due December 4th. So we're a little early for the shower, but of course, you know, gives us opportunities to see what we need to get for them uh, as time goes on here. And then Monday, Monday might be a restful day. I don't know. I'm We I had plans to kind of go for bike rides and so forth. We shall see what really happens of Monday. Uh, so consequently, I will not be here on air on Monday as it's a holiday. I get to sleep in if I... <laughs> if I can sleep in and uh, I'll be back uh, then to see you next Friday. So actually there are two uh, Mondays in a row where I may not be seen. I won't be seen for sure on, on the 4th. And then on the 11th, my husband Terry has a partial knee replacement surgery scheduled. We just don't know what time that is yet. If it's morning, certainly I won't be able to be here with you. If it's not until later in the day, then it's a possibility I'll be here with you. But on Friday, I will know that and be able to tell you. All right. So uh, let's see, what are we going to do today? So we have, of course, the moon this morning, very early, uh, transiting out of the sign of Pisces, where we had that gorgeous full moon. I hope you all got an opportunity to see it with Saturn shining brightly right next to it. 
we didn't get to see that see it the night of the full moon itself because of the cloud cover but last night it was just as gorgeous and the skies were clear so we could actually visualize all of that and now the moon has moved out of the piscean depths and into aries fire right aries fire it is a cardinal sign cardinal signs are initiating energy so we have the energy of initiating something a new beginning perhaps the beginning of a new pro uh, project or experience or relationship or you name it right aries energy brings us the opportunity uh, to do something new and it is pushing outward energy so if you think of the different energies as kind of alternating between more introverted quiet energy inward focused and alternating with the more outward focused, then we just move from Piscean, more inward focus, more of the uh, inner voice and intuition outward now to the more Martian energies, Mars the ruler of Aries. And that is that pushing out energy. In other words, we move to a time where the moon is supportive of your putting your passion outward into the world and risking being a little bit bolder than usual, right? Being a little bit more forward, as it were, in creating a new pathway or a new relationship or a new you fill in the blank, right? Um, so this is the energy today and for the uh, all of the day today, all of tomorrow and a little bit, a little skosh on Sunday morning before it changes out of Aries and into Taurus energy. But the moon in Aries is giving us the courage to act. And the courage to act appropriately for each one individually, right? So this isn't courage. It doesn't take courage to be a part of the herd and to do what everybody else is doing or to do what others tell you that you should do. It takes courage to walk your own fine line, right? To walk your own path, to do what is correct for you, you right? This is all about you. In fact, Aries is the sign of the very first sign of the Zodiac, and we call it the I am. So this is the I am. It, it rules the first house naturally of an astrology chart. And the first house is all about you, right? Your personality, how you see the how others see you. It's like the face that you put forward to the world. And with an Aries uh, ruler of, of the astrology chart, then it this this lifetime would seem to be about putting forward our interests into the world and then learning how our interests can meld and shape and uh, help others with their perspectives, right? Everything, it begins with us, right? So it's the courage to act. It is a time of gaining momentum, right? Gaining the speed and the momentum towards something, a goal perhaps, uh, that type of thing. Being a leader, standing out in the crowd, not necessarily grabbing reins of power. That is never leadership. That is definitely not leadership. It is not autocratic. It is being a leader by being the shining example of courage to lead, of the courage. But by the way, while you're having the courage to lead, you're also doing it your way and doing it on your own. There's a streak of independence that runs through the moon here in Aries. So not that we are not designed to be in teamwork and collaborate. By the way, Libra on the other side of Aries is all about collaboration, co-creation, and cooperation. But in Aries, it's about how do I put my own self forward first? Because if I do not know who I am and what my gifts and talents are or what is right for me, then I cannot be in relationship with others without giving myself away because I haven't really laid claim to who I am. I hope that makes sense to people, right? Lay claim to who you are, lay claim to your gifts and your talents, be you because you cannot be someone else right? But you can blend your energies with other people, but it works best when you know truly who you are and what your gifts and talents are first, so that you're blending, not giving away the farm, okay? Or succumbing to what other people want or to what you think the culture dynamic wants, that type of thing, okay? This is a sign of beingness, being. You know, we get as humans kind of caught up in the doing, right? When I ask you, if I ask you the question, who are you? 
you're likely going to come back with some kind of definition that includes what you do in the world, right? If someone asks me, who are you? I might say, I'm an astrologer, I'm a mother, I'm a grandmother. Uh, those types of things are not who you are, right? So it gives us an opportunity when the moon is in Aries to reflect on who I am, right? I'm a soul a divine spark inhabiting a human body here to help by serving people through astrology, human design, the gene keys, broadcasts, etc. It isn't who I am because who I am is different than what I do. Who I am, well, what I do is a reflection of who I am. So we got to keep that in some sort of perspective as well. Uh, the sign Aries is also often uh, innocent, innocent as in wide-eyed, wonder, youthful innocence, right? The innocence that says, I've not tried this before, and so I don't have any preconceived notions about failure or success. I'm just doing what I do, doing what I love to do, and I'm going to put this out there. So there's an innocence about how we go about doing our lives and how we gain our personal authority, right? How we display it to the world, how we share of ourselves with the world. And then of course, underneath all of that is being responsible, responsible for yourself, for your actions, for the consequences of your actions, and for the choices that you make in the face of those consequences, right? It's all about the choices. What choice am I gonna make? This is also the energy of the fighter. And when we say fighter, I don't mean go out and start clobbering people. This is the energy that really is about taking a risk, stepping out of the comfort zone. It is not a Taurian energy that stays stuck. It is not an earth energy that stays stuck. It is fire energy that presses on the boundary, right? That pushes outward somewhat. Um, not backing down from a fight. Now, let me qualify that. I'm not advocating going out and fighting uh, with everybody out there in the world. <coughs> Excuse me, that is definitely not uh, the gig. Um, but let's say you've taken a stand on something. You've taken a stand for uh, equal rights. I'm just making that one up, but let's just use that one. Um, not backing down when the going gets tough. And it does get tough, right? If you've made a goal of creating... Uh, a certain product or a certain situation in your life, don't back down at the first sign of a block or a limit or something like that, right? This energy is not backing down from the fight, right? It's going to keep moving. It's going to find a way around, right? Flowing over, under, around, maybe pausing until the go sign goes green, right? Then we can go once more. So taking the fight for yourself and for others out into the world, but in your own unique way, right? Not in the way that everybody else thinks that you need to do, right? Um, and there are lots of things to stand up for, right? Look in your own life and discover what is it that I want to take a stand for. And then taking a stand also implies with the moon in Aries that there's some action associated with it, right? I can take a stand and just say, yes, I stand up for XYZ, but really have I done anything? So the moon in Aries asks us, what are you willing to do? What risk are you willing to take? You know, how far are you willing to go to create change or to put forward your initiatives, right? That type of thing. Now we of course have things to watch out for with the moon in Aries. We do at every sign when the moon goes through, right? The moon, remember, rules our inner self. It rules our emotional self. It rules our connection to the past. It rules our connection to family and to friends, to home, what makes us feel like we belong, right? So uh, that's what the moon is ruling. And now in Aries, the things that we have to watch out for are our aggress aggressive attitudes that we might take, right? The, the conflict that we might create with others, right? I said, you know, don't run away from a conflict. <laughs> but I don't suggest that the best way to use that Aryan energy is to get in someone's face about something while you're standing up for uh, your rights or anything like that, right? There's, there's a way to do things that 
is of responsibility without the consequences that can happen when you are in someone's face. We have to watch taking dangerous risks, right? That is not the kind of risk I suggested earlier. Taking a risk to put yourself out there is different than taking a risk by bungee jumping off uh, the San Francisco Bay Bridge, right? I don't know, maybe some of you like doing that kind of stuff, but this is not the kind of risk I'm talking about. And there's also the sense of con conflict that we can either inadvertently get drawn into or that we create uh, when we pick fights with people. Don't pick fights, right? The sun in Virgo can be kind of nitpicky. And with the moon now in Aries, the nitpickiness can lead to a fight, right? So we want to watch that. We want to watch our tone that we take with other people. We don't want to come off as harsh or uh, not compassionate uh, without empathy. We don't want to sound as harsh as maybe, you know, the words are that are coming out of our mouth. So we need to be able to be clear about the tone that we're using, about the words that we're using in our conversations with people. And I'll uh, all in all, I would just say, don't sweat the small stuff, right? If it's if it's a nitpicky little thing that's driving you crazy, leave the room, go outside, do something different. Don't risk your relationships by jumping down someone's throat, right? Or causing a fight or a conflict. Be cool, be cool, calm and collected. Uh, let's see, we have other people joining us this morning. So let me do that. And then I'm going to talk about the human design gates of the moon a little bit. Uh, Tom, good morning. It's good to see you. She, he said, hi, Astro family, Mercury retrograde. So I'm late. <laughs> uh, that's so funny. Asa, good morning. It's great to have you with us. Tom says, no clobbering people. That's no fun. Been way too long since we had a good clobbering. Um, you know, if you're doing that purposefully, like, hey, in a boxing ring, because, hey, that's good exercise, that's a different story, right? You're not doing it because you're angry uh, or because you want to fight someone. Um, Teddy, standing for mental health. Oh, my God. That is such a big one, isn't it, Teddy? Uh, thank you for your stand with us, Janet Hickox, astrologer. Uh, Natasha, good morning. Not fighting, witnessing what my naysayers are telling me and taking a stand in my truth. Oh my gosh, that is so moon in Aries, Natasha. I love it. Uh, that I know feels right to me in spite of them. Absolutely, right? If we cannot take a stand for our own selves, then we risk the negative aspects here, which are very Libran qualities of giving ourselves away, of people-pleasing of saying or doing what we think will make others happy instead of saying or doing what's authentically true for us as individuals. So you have to find that balance, right? And what we learn about with Aries and Libra in, a, uh, in an axis is that we first put forward our own individuality, right? And not in a way that people might think of as being self-centered or self-serving, but hey, this is me. This is what I love. This is how I want to do this work. And then allowing the other person to, to state their own way of doing something or how they would do it differently. And then if necessary, find a way to collaborate or to cooperate without the, the, the positive kind of compromise rather than being compromising, right? There's a fine line difference, right? We want to be able to get along and compromise is part of that. Cooperation and co-creation and, and uh, collaboration are really the highest Libran traits. And I'm calling it Libra because it's feeding into this Aries energy of my taking a stand for me. You, Natasha, taking a stand for you, all right? So you're doing it the right way. But you can always, we, you know, any one of us that put ourselves forward of something can also take input from others and see how that lands with us, right? So someone might say, oh, hey, what if you did it this way? And you could take that in and you could say, hmm, no, I prefer my way, but thank you for your input. And then maybe at some point later, somebody says something else and you're like, oh, gosh, great idea. Let's let me try this on for size. So you are willing to compromise, but without compromising yourself. God, I hope everybody understands that difference because it's really kind of a fine line, right? Terry Strauss, we were talking about you earlier as I have my uh, healing spirits here and their cup 
that I displayed for everybody. And I'm just wondering if you have those for sale on your website or something that people can go and get their own. Uh, good morning, Christine. Happy surprise to see you here today. Me? I'm here on Fridays. Maybe because you were thinking the holiday. Aha. Uh, yes, I'm here today. Um, okay, so let's look now at the moon moving through human design gates for the next couple of days, okay? Because I want you to get very familiar with how these things tie together, how Aries energy of the moon ties with the gates that we're going to talk about that the moon are passing is passing through uh, during the next couple of days. So right now the moon is in the gate 25 or is going to be in that gate very shortly here. And uh, not sure what time exactly it will be there. Uh, but the 25 is one of the gates of love that sits on the identity center, the central uh, center in your human design chart. And would it be helpful um, if I posted the picture for everybody to see where, where the gates are? If so, let me know and I can share my screen so you can see that, see it. So the 25 is one of the love gates. It is the love of spirit. And interestingly enough, it's across from the gate 51, the gate of awakening to higher consciousness. So interesting combination there of energies that the awakening that comes through shock and awe, which is also a gate that the moon will sit at during this weekend, Saturday to be exact, can also be the tool, the vehicle for our moving more into the love of the divine or understanding that the love that we embody, right? The other gate on the other side is the gate of the embodiment of these things. The gate of the love of spirit, love that you have this connection uh, to the spiritual realm always, right? The soul being the vehicle of the connection that you have as a being, as a human being to God, source, all that is divine, uh, and it's walking with you here on the planet. So when the moon is moving through Aries, that's one of the more interesting things that happens. And it's very early in the transit, right? So we kind of see ourselves as these innocent beings. We're moving through with these experiences that are designed to help us evolve, right? To be more aware of the truth of who we are. So the 25 is the first gate that the the moon will hit um we also have the next gate later today will be the gate 17. now in the gene keys the 17 is called omniscience i love that word right it means that we could be all seeing it has a very it has a very logical sort of energy attached to it logic as in using the mind right to be able to uh kind of put forth theories or hypotheses. It's the beginning of the scientific method, uh, if you will, right? Where we have this theory or we have a, a hypothesis, something that is not yet proven. And we set about to test it, right? To see poking holes in it, as it were, seeing if our hypothesis holds true. So on the alter ego side of the 17 is the gate of opinions. It's called the gate of opinions as well, because sometimes it's we, we're putting forth an opinion as truth, yet it's not yet truth. It's not yet tested, right? So here's a gate that I think gets abused a lot with conspiracy theories and with the news media, right? They put forward this information. It is not yet tested. It is not yet truth. Right. So it makes it very difficult for us as we're hearing all of this. Right. Have you noticed how you've been being barraged by climate uh, change information? Right. It's like this beating uh, heart of craziness about everything that's going on. But it isn't a proven thing yet. There's no proof about it. Yes, we can see that the climate is changing, but the climate always changes. It's the one thing that we know about on this planet. The climate is always in flux of sorts. But is this kind of flux that's happening truly due to human um, potential, potentially human uh, interference? We don't know that for sure. We assume that or we have a hypothesis about that. So let's set about to prove it. Then it becomes a theory and then we take action on it, not from opinion, but from fact, right? 
So it's the dilemma that we always see, right? How do we how do we tease out fact from fiction? How do we tease out opinion from truth? So the 17, the moon moving through this gate, bringing that home to each one of us over the weekend or today, especially. Now, Saturday, and are you noticing that these gates, by the way, that the moon is moving through in Aries are a little bit tricky, right? There's some trickiness to these gates. They tend to be gates that trigger us in some way. Uh, the 25 triggering our uh, quandary between soul and body being the embodiment of that soul. 17 triggering our quandary between truth and, and uh, fact and or fiction, truth and fiction or um science and uh, the etheric perhaps even can come up through this. Then we go to the gate 21 tomorrow and the gate of 21 is sitting on the ident in the uh, will center, the heart center. It is an energy that is called the gate of control. And so we come face to face here with our controlling measures, our controlling behaviors. Now control is a totally different thing if we think about it as self accountability, right? Being aware and, and um, taking responsibility for our own actions, for, you know, our controlling our own selves versus the what usually tries to happen with this gate, which is controlling everything around us, the people around us, the situations we encounter, other people's business, right? Getting into our own business and the, the control, the controller kind of energy. So here with the moon moving through that gate, we might come face to face with how we have been overly controlling or, you know, overly controlled on the other side of things. So neither is good. We want to come to the middle where we are accountable for our own selves and our own behaviors and our own actions. And of course, that also means then our own consequences. Right. So that's the 21. Then the moon will move to 51, the gate that we just talked about of shock. And that shock is always about an awakening that moves us more toward being the embodiment of spirit. Right. Shock and awe leads to whew, awakening, which then helps us change our direction, perhaps the way that we do things, the way that we interact. It elevates us in some way. And final gate that the, the moon will move through on Saturday is the gate 42, which is the gate of celebration, completion. And uh, I need to check one thing because I think there is, yeah, one other gate early on. Uh, so overnight uh, Sunday into Monday, I mean, overnight Saturday into Sunday, excuse me, um, gate three, where we have this innovative in a inventive energy that we want to put forth into the world, but it takes some time, right? Um, this is where new things, inventions, innovation has a little bit of trouble at the beginning, right? That we have to keep putting energy into it to get it to move, right? When you first step on the gas of your car, right? It has to gain momentum to get up to speed. That's the gate three. We have this great idea. We have these innovative things that we want to do, but they don't happen with the snap of a finger, right? We have to we have to put forth some energy. We have to put forth some time. We have to make sure that all of the right, we have to respond to what's going on around us in order to get things to move ahead. So Aries energy. So you can kind of see that at the beginning, what we have is this idea of being spirit embodied. And at the very end, we also can see that because we live in a denser 3D planet, that it takes more time to go from what spirit is compelling us or inspiring us to do and getting it off the ground, right? It doesn't happen as quickly because you are in a three dimensional world a world of physical characteristics, a denseness that takes time for things to happen. So here we can also put together that we have to stick with something in order to gain momentum. Very Aries words. <sighs> Questions, anybody? Uh, Terry says, I have them for sale through me. Just private message or email me. I just ordered 24 more. Uh, I love you too. Uh, TJ says, precious cup. I, I just love this cup, right? I never get to really drink out of it while I'm on air, but I'll heat it back up. Uh, not in the microwave. It's got metal on it. Uh, Terry 
says her address is medium. I'll just show this, Terry. So if people want to get in contact with you about getting a cup, they can do so. And also, you know, tuning in to Terry's uh, and uh, her YouTube channel, Healing Spirits Here and There on YouTube. All right. So now I want to transition over to uh, the main meat of today's show, which is all about Venus, right? Venus uh, it does stay hot. It helps when you close the lid or you put, you know, close the slider. <laughs> um, anyway, today we're going to be talking about Venus again, right? Again, we're going to be talking about the gate that she is turning direct upon because any of the gates, when, when um, a planet and not just Venus, but any planet turns, changes direction, either moving into retrograde or moving out of retrograde, the gate that they sit at or the degree of the astrology that they sit at is sort of a sit, a standstill spot, right? So the planet just isn't going backwards and then just suddenly goes forward. It just doesn't, right? It comes to the end, the end point of its retrograde cycle. It sits there worrying around a little bit and then starts its moving forward, gaining momentum and speed as it moves forward. Now, again, this is from the apparent view on Earth. It's not that the planets are actually moving backwards. It's just in relationship to how we view it here on our planet. Okay. If you were on the sun, no planets would retrograde because all the planets revolve around you on the sun. But the Earth is also revolving around the sun in relationship to the other planets. So this is why here on Earth we um, experience other planets going retrograde because in relation to the speed that we're traveling at they appear to be slower than us moving uh, you know behind us we get ahead of them all right so the mechanics of it aren't true that the planets are revolving backwards or what have you but the impact that we experience is of the move from the outer world expression of a planet to the more inner uh, dynamic of that planet. And for all the planets, this is kind of what happens. Think of it as the accordion, right? Going and expanding and then contracting, expanding, contracting your own breath rhythm, right? Expanding and contracting. And that being the model for the energy that's pushing outward in the expansion, but also moving inward in contraction uh, during the in-breath, right? The intake of that breath. Hopefully that all makes sense to everybody. Uh, let me know if you have any questions about that. So the impact then of a planet moving into standstill, either before retrograde or after retrograde, is an important thing for us to note. And in human design, there were two gates that were activated for the retrograde. One was the gate 29, which we talked about the gate of saying yes, committing, right, to the right things, the things that are authentic for you. That was the point at which Venus turned retrograde. So she stood still a little bit right there at that retrograde point before she started backing up. And now she has completed the, the backing up phase. And now she's at the gate 33, which is um, the gate that she will stand still at a bit and before she moves forward. All right. So the, the 33 is what we want to talk about today. So the, the gate 33 then holds an important code for us for, to unlock the key, uh, the key to unlock the code for the entire Venus retrograde cycle. And it concerns um, privacy. Privacy is the traditional human design name of the gate. And it is called in quantum human design, retelling. So we have two different words, right? They don't necessarily seem to go together. But as we uh, start talking about the gate 33 and its meaning, I think you'll see how these energies can go together. So the codes are held in the gate 33 and the gate 29. We'll talk about that again when Venus gets back up to that gate. That won't be until October-ish. Um, late September, early October. So the 33 then is a gate that takes us into 
the identity center, excuse me, the throat center. It's at the very corner, the right corner of the throat center, moving down toward the the identity center. So when it's on a throat center, we know that it has something to do with manifesting, communicating, uh, or creation or creativity. So Venus at the gate 33 indicates that there's something about the value that we are holding in our being able to retreat, right? Not to retreat, like go backwards, but to go inwards, right? To go into our inner selves and reflect on what's most important to us or to reflect on the experiences we've had over the last couple of months of Venus's retrograde. It might be a time for us to reflect on our own path of creating harmony and beauty in our, our lives, in our own space, away from the distractions you know, of the outer world. Um, it may also have been a time for us or will be a time for us to sort of write or put into art or music um, the experiences that we've had to sort of, you know, put them into words, put it into a creative flow of some sort. Venus at this gate is also having had likely almost every one of us, by the way, having had some kind of trauma or some kind of uh, experience of betrayal especially in our relationships, Venus, our values, our relationships, our finances. And that puts this gate as a gate of forgiveness, as a gate of needing the time and the space to heal from the events that we have experienced in our lives, the trauma dramas, right? Remember Venus is in Leo. Leo is the ultimate sign of trauma dramas, right? The drama queens and drama queen kings live here in Leo energy. But we also have to be able to take the time to consider before we start telling the story of the trauma, the drama, the betrayal, the dishonor, the whatever, you fill in the blank, um, we need to have time to heal it within us before we start to tell it about it. And that's why this gate on the throat becomes very important um, because we need to be able to balance our ourselves and our healing path with how it is that we can help others going through their own healing path, right? So it is definitely a, a sense of being able to, to learn from your experiences, to take the past and apply what you've learned, but it becomes a gate of storytelling when we start to tell the story. So how are you telling the story? What's included in the story is the part that you really want to consider, right? Because we can all tell a good story. And in fact, this gate sometimes is about, you know, in a, like I said, in quantum human design, it's called uh, the gate of retelling. So we're retelling our experiences, the experiences that are common to all of us as humans, perhaps, right? All of us have had experiences of betrayal, of uh, trauma, of uh, death, of rebirth, of losing a job, of, you know, having health challenges, financial challenges, you know, it goes on and on. They're common, human, earthly considerations, things that we experience here. But what happens is those things get embedded into us as a story, right? So then the story gets retold to people, to your family, to your friends, to your, you know, clients, to other people in a way that sometimes keeps the negative part of the story alive rather than the empowered part of the story. So this is why this gate called privacy in traditional human design is called this, right? Because in some ways, we have to be able to move through and reflect upon and, um, you know, kind of go through this process of, of considering how everything has been impacting us, no matter what the story is, right? Taking time to heal, healing that within us, healing and forgiving is part of healing, forgiving ourselves, forgiving the other person or the the other entities involved with the story before you begin to share it with the world, right? The human story is one of triumph from 
these difficult things that we experience. It's triumph. It's the hero's journey. Every one of you are living a hero's journey, right? Joseph Campbell, the hero's journey, right? We, we set out in our lives to accomplish something. We immediately run into the roadblocks or to the challenges that are there in front of us that are there to help us grow and to help us get back on track if we've gotten off track to overcome, right? To make peace with, to balance, to harmonize, to alchemize, right? In this gate, we are alchemizing our pain, our trauma into transformation, into triumph, right? Does all that make sense to people? So with Venus now sitting at this gate for a little bit, right? She's going to hang here. She's going to remind us all to incorporate some of these things into our value system, to be more valued, uh, valuing of yourself, of your experiences. And we want to value our experiences enough to be able to share them with others in the right time, in the right place, with the right people, and with an invitation so that the story is one that kind of triggers everyone to see, yeah, I may not have experienced that exact thing, but I've experienced something like that. And thank you so much for showing me how you overcame it or how you moved through it, how you found grace in spite of it, right? So this is a very, very powerful gate. And because it's Venus that sits here, it impacts our relationships, right? I'm sure we've all got the, you know, relationship stories of breakup, of being betrayed within the relationship, being cheated on, or, you know, umpteen different things that have happen in the context of relationships. So what's the story, right? It's not so much that that happened to you, because it did, right? Don't take that away. It did happen, right? It is truth, perhaps. But what did, what was your takeaway? How did you move out of it? That's what we want to share here. That's the invitation to everybody with Venus at this point in time is to share your stories with people when asked or invited or when the opportunity arises, but share it in its fullness, Right. You might even say, I've been through this thing and I've not yet found the path to forgiveness, but I'm working on it and I'm working on it through self-reflection. I'm working on it through processing of the pain that I've experienced. I will let you know when I have worked through it, but I'm in the process and we all can we can all relate to that, can't we? Being in the process of healing from something, a wound, right? A wound. Even if you get scratched, right? There's a process of healing in that that we all go through. And the 33 is really about making sure that the story that we're telling in this healing process isn't one that just rehashes all the bullshit, you know what, right? All the hard stuff, all the tragedy, right? Because then people start to nod off. They start to not listen to you anymore. If all you're ever saying is, you know, rehash of the same story, they'll not keep listening. They're not going to keep listening. But if you change that story up, if you retell it, right, this is what happened. And this is how I dealt with it. And it took some time, but I was so glad that I took the time to do what I needed to do to support myself through forgiveness, through healing of the wound, it's a different story, right? It becomes something that then we can aspire to, right? History books, history books are all about that history or that hero's journey, if you will, right? That's not pretty. I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting that all the stories should be pretty and be, you know, flowers and, and, you know, bumblebees. No, our stories are often ugly and they can be, you know, history shows us a lot of ugliness, but it also shows the triumph that we went through collectively or individually through it. So ask yourself then now, what are the stories that you're telling, right? What's the healing path that you want to take? How do you want to show up in the new you? Uh, because first of all, you can't, you can't force healing to happen, right? I think sometimes, in fact, I think a lot of times we almost always want to hurry through the wound. We don't want to feel that 
pain of, of the death of a loved one. We don't want to experience it. We want it to go away now, right? I want to feel better now as if there must be something wrong when we're feeling uh, the pain. But when we're integrating everything as far as what we've learned, the lessons, what does the experience mean to me, the forgiveness, it takes time, right? And we have to allow it to take as long as it takes without trying to force it, um, without trying to force it. It unfolds in its own time. And moment by moment, as you work through it, or as you process whatever it is that is your pain or your wound, and it takes courage, it takes compassion for both yourself and if there's another body involved, another person involved, because Venus is so overly relationship oriented, it's usually a pain that includes something someone else did, something someone else said, something someone didn't do that they said they would do, right? Think about how it is that you can embody the courage, taking the time it takes to process through it so that your story then becomes that of a journey. You know, one of the other things that I often tell people too, that works, well, it works well for me because I'm a processor. You might not be a processor. It might not come naturally to you to process things, but I always ask myself the question, what does this remind me of? What is the feeling that I'm feeling and what does it remind me of? Because often the pain, the wound, the trigger is something that you've experienced before, maybe in childhood. And it is an un healed wound, right? So the story might be all about this always happens to me. Why does, you know, the toilet always, you know, seem to be flushing on top of my head? And instead looking at that and going, okay, well, why is that happening? What does that mean? What is the feeling that I got from that? What was the impact on my life? What is the call to power that I'm receiving from that experience, because it's all about empowering yourself, right? It's not happening to hurt you. The experiences we have, although sometimes not even in our control, we can't control when our loved ones die. Usually uh, we can't control that, you know, another person does something that triggers an old wound in us, but we can look at it as an invitation to forgiveness an invitation to heal. But we can't just say, okay, I'm done. I'm forgiving you without processing it. Because sure enough, what will happen to unprocessed wounds and unprocessed healing is it will happen again, likely with a new person or in a new situation, because you still haven't really dealt with the forgiveness issue or with the alchemizing of that pain or that wound into transformation or change in your life. Woo. Right. So we are in an evolution and the 33 talks about the stories that we're telling as part of that evolution, right? We can look back now and we can see the story of some of the worst things that have happened over the past few years, right? COVID-19, the shutdowns, the impact on our finances, the economy, the breakdown of the economy, uh, in the US, the insurrection of January 6th, because that's all up in our faces every day, it seems right now. We can take those stories, put them into a new context by seeing how it is a service to our evolving consciousness. Hmm. So in the meantime, it's time for us to heal. These next several days, in fact, let me give you the exact timing so that you have this. We will be in the uh, healing energy through September 11th. Interesting, September 11th for the USA, a date that shall live in our memories forever as a, as a wound, right? But really, do we want to keep calling up the wound? Do we want to keep reacting to that wound? Or do we want to build something that is of lasting quality and nature that helps us say, yes, we have this wound, right? But we've since changed certain things that help us be more mindful, perhaps, of other ideologies and the impact that we have when we're messing in other people's countries. Uh, yes, it happened and lots of people died. 
but the opportunity is for us to do things in a different way, to heal that, to forgive ourselves and others involved with that. And by the way, forgiveness doesn't mean that it it didn't happen or it wasn't painful. It just means we're suspending the judgment on it so that we can evolve through it or beyond it, right? All right. Whew, that's a lot. How's everybody doing out there? Uh, Deborah Foster, hi, cousin. Nice to have you joining us this morning. Debbie, or I mean, uh, Amy, sorry, not you, Debbie, but Amy says, ha, huh, when you started talking about gate 33, my time showed 1033. I love it. It's like synchrony, right? Synchrony, a new beginning, the 10 part of it, right? A new beginning of storytelling. Hmm. Uh, Tom, everybody sing. I'm bringing home a baby bumblebee. Won't my mommy be so proud of me? Yes. Forgiving both sides or our connection to it sets us free. This is Terry, uh, Terry Strauss. No one said forget, but release it. On another note, we lose people, but it is a reunion for our loved ones as well. We are just in a body for a while. We still exist. This is definitely deep. So deep, right? And uh, I think it's a realization that we have when we lose our loved ones, right? I I know because, you, you know, you are always interacting with and walking with spirits on the other side, healing here and there, right? Here on this side, there on that side. Uh, and because of my own experiences after losing my son, that, you know, this isn't the end. I I, I know it with every fiber of my being that this isn't the end, that that this goes on. I don't know the quality of it on the other side. I don't know all the deets, but I do know that we don't end here. So we can change the story of death then. We can change it from being fearful of our end to living out every day as fully as we can between now and that end day. We don't know when it is. So live out the highest, live out the best, live from your heart, love like it's all that matters, right? Okay, I'm getting on a soapbox. I can feel my soapbox. Um, uh, Christine, so if we have 33-1 and 33-4 as hanging gates and an undefined throat, does it mean it's a major lesson lifelong? It could be, it could be. It could be also that you embody the history and your job, as it were, is to share that story in the right time with the right people that, are inviting you in to share your experiences or share the human condition or share the history, right? That is the story of how you moved and alchemized that uh, pain or wound into a transformational state, right? Changed. So, but when it's hanging, it's hanging there until there's something at the other side. The other side is gate 13. Um, so that can happen when a planet transits 13, it can happen when a person that you know or an energy that you're around has that gate defined and you combine your energies. Uh, Amy, raise that vibration. I love it. JLo, good morning. OMG, I was being busy and did not find my phone until now. I came in at a perfect time. We'll go back and listen. I love it. Uh, Terry, goosebumps, right? Validation bumps. I love it. Um, Christine says, exactly, they do visit if we're open to them, indeed. It's amazing to me how that, that, how that works. Um, so, all right, any other questions? I'm just going to go back a minute and see if I missed something. I don't think I missed something. Okay, good. So everybody got Terry Strauss's medium at terrystrauss.com if you want to purchase your own beautiful healing spirits here and there. And I, I think what you don't see really beautifully here is that artwork, right? Let me turn this light off. Maybe you could see it better, right? The, the dragonfly with the heart and the angel wings, right? It so perfectly embodies a lot of the symbols of our um, human spirit, right? I love it. Uh, okay, now today is September 1 and today begins the opportunity for us to purchase uh, the Energy Almanac of 2024 early. And I think I have the link. I do. Boom. No, not boom. Oh, yeah. You got to show it first. <laughs> 
I, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm thinking the magic is already there to happen. Now, there you have the, the uh, link to follow if you want to get the early bird specials from Tam at the Energy Almanac. There's the link. Uh, also, this is my affiliate link for her. So just in the interest of transparency, if you buy something, I get a small little bump from that, um, a financial bump from that. Also, this is only good from September 1st through 15th, right? Being an early bird, you get a bundle. So when you go follow that link, you want to scroll to the bottom of the page and you'll see the Almanac 2024 bundle. And that comes with the artwork for Astro Inklings, the monthly 12-month uh, artwork that goes along with the year. And as well, you get the spiral bound um, energy almanac right? She only makes a certain number of these. And the, ni the nice thing about these is they lay nice and flat so that you can, because there's always the pages that have notes, right? <laughs> this is a blank page of notes. Um, so you can write on these nicely, you know, without having to have the pages flipping on you and what have you. So spiral bound energy almanac and the astro inklings thing today through September 15th. And there's your link. I will also put that link in the description of the video on YouTube, but also I will put it in the chat stream on Facebook and share that out for everybody. Asa, I will get mine. What is the word for 2024? I don't think I've tapped into a word yet for 2024. Um, the word that just came to me was lightning rod. It's not really a word. It's two words. So maybe we just distill it to lightning. Hmm, I don't know. That was just kind of a lightning moment that I came out in my head. Uh, but you will be able to see the keywords through all of 2024. And I can't even believe I'm talking about 2024. Trust me when I say this year has gone by so fast, which we knew it would. Remember back in January when I was doing the, the well, December, when I was doing the astrology of 2023 and it seemed like it was so far into the future, but we knew that it was going to go just as fast as any of the other years. And sure enough, here we are at September entering into what will be the last quarter of 2023. Yowza. Uh, now, Pauline, good morning to you. She says, please pull a card for the group for the weekend. I will indeed do that. I actually pulled out the goddess cards because that was a request by Christine, I think it was, for um, the month of September. And uh, anyway, so there you guys go. Get that from now until September 15th. And let's pull a goddess card for us as we move forward in honor of Venus. By the way, there's another thing with Venus today. She enters into the 51-day uh, cycle of fullness. So uh, that is a part of the changes, right? She's been going through a lot of changes during this retrograde period of time. And now she comes into her fullness. She is fully visible. You have to get up awfully early. Um, and before the sun rises, so you can see her low on the eastern horizon uh, just before the sun rises. So 51 days of fullness. And this will be a time for the collective to really uh, reflect on um, the changes that have been made in your own personal lives during Venus's retrograde and then enacting those changes, right, in your real life. Okay. Oh, so I get, oh, how how appropriate. Gula, and I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, the goddess of healing, and she's card number 18, which is a nine. So we have some psychic intuition here going on. We have some endings perhaps leading to new beginnings, uh, but it is also a card of healing. I'm not sure I've ever seen that goddess come up. So this is going to be new. All right. So Gula, the Babylonian goddess of medicine and healing has come to guide you as a blessing and for your well-being. You're being invited to address the areas of your life that need healing. Don't you just love how the cards always seem to just perfectly reflect the subject matter of what we talked about? Perhaps you've moved so quickly through your life that you've forgotten about self-care. Perhaps the stories you've told yourself about who you are need healing. We don't always see that we are hurting ourselves or others. Take heart, for Gula comes into your world as your ally, saying that now is the most auspicious time to focus on healing in all aspects of your life. Only good things will come from your actions here. 
In fact, now is also the perfect time when you can be assured that you can heal rifts with others as well. Be sincere and call upon Gula for this precious commitment. You may also be called to the path of the healer now. So if so, the goddess Gula supports this wholeheartedly. You just need to be willing, respect others and do no harm. Miracles will arise as if out of nowhere. I love it. Miracles arise as if out of nowhere. Not because we did anything or said anything, but because we have that as part of our divine right or divine human. All right. So that is it for me today. Um, I hope all of you have a wonderful weekend. I will see you next Friday. Um, but I might put something out, a newsletter or something for everybody to talk about the early part of the week. Uh, so watch for that over the weekend. All right, guys, take care. Much love. Bye for now. Do you wish you could better understand yourself and what is going on in the world? Well, grab your cup of coffee or tea and join the podcast Living Astrology with Janet Hickox for Astrology, Human Design, and Gene Keys Wisdom. Mondays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Podcasts are available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and your other favorite outlets.